but they were on a somewhat of an elevated platform and were pushing them pretty violently and there was a concrete barrier and they, several of these guys got flipped over. They were pushed so hard and they tumbled. It wasn't a large height, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were injuries. It kind of shocks the census to see it because this wasn't uh, just calmly shoving people back with riot shields or whatever. These, these were, uh, well, kind of looked like a bar fight. It's very disorganized, as you can see, that they're, they're throwing punches, they're striking people with batons, and even who, one going to do it. Did they grab a, someone? Who did they grab here? That's the, that's the fellow who was tased. And he so was, they, they tased this guy and dragged him and in? And then dragged him in, yep. What's depicted here is a police mob confronting a mob and fighting with them using techniques and tactics that they're not authorized to use, that they That's were not crazy. trained to use. Uh, their policies and procedures of any agency that I'm aware of does not include such thing as doing a front snap kick to an individual who chased away from the area that was responded to later by the crowd doing the same tactic, a front snap kick to the officers. You've created a one-on-one -on -one contest. This is not a karate match. This is a situation where you're obligated and duty bound to disperse the crowd and to move them back or arrest those who stay there. That's not what was done. There was a severe beating of a woman named Victoria White. What do we know about her case? Well, Victoria White from uh, Rochester, Minnesota, uh, with the crowd had come up to the, the tunnel entrance and she says she had been pushed in by the momentum of so the crowd. So upset about this. She ended I'm up so being trapped against one of the walls. And fairly short time after she got in there, she was attacked by a police officer, a supervisor from the Metro DC Police Department. And it went on for maybe five arm. minutes. She was struck nearly 40 times in the head and face. When the first blow came to my head by a metal baton, it was really bad. And I remember trying to keep myself up um, because I was scared I would be trampled. Originally, I thought I just got hit like three times on the head. But it wasn't until I saw the video that I realized like how bad it was getting in the tunnel. I remember trying to keep myself up because I was scared I was going to be trampled. And I remember saying to the officer, you took an oath to the Constitution. And he called me the B word. And that's when I got a, one of the hardest blows that I can remember. The head is a sphere. And what happens when you strike a spherical object with a blunted object, at least resistance, and glances off the head? That's a possibility. The second thing is you can hit them flush and kill them. If your intent was to kill them, you should have been using a firearm, not a baton. So it fails, tactically, to use a baton to attempt to use it as a disabling force option. The baton is registered as a less than lethal tool. It is a tool like tear gas. It is a tool like the taser. It is a tool like using your hands to subdue the person so that you can handcuff them and take them into custody. An officer striking her with an overhand blow approximately 10 times to her body, which she was protecting herself by putting her hands up to avoid the blows. Clearly a defensive position, not an attack position. She was also punched in the face with a closed fist by that? the same yeah. officer. I believe it was five times. It's a man that's doing this. Severe beating.
And where was she going to go? Exactly. At least 20 officers there. So it's not like she was running through all of them and knocking them down and cursing them or anything like that. She's damned. Yes. And none of these officers did anything about it. And this is the this is the chief. No, this is the supervisor. Overall, who has some history, some time with dealing with situations like this. This wasn't their first situation. You can tell that this supervisor hated any supporter. If this was a real supervisor, they hated any supporter of Donald Trump. So so think about this. Even in the midst of all of this, the crowd is still not going wild. Yeah. Because there, there really was an outnumbering of the people and the crowd. All they wanted was for it to stop. And there was there was anger in the crowd at this point, obviously, but for good good justifiable reason. Yes. These attacks that took place on them were unprovoked. The crowd wasn't doing anything like that other than the bad actors that was trying to incite different things, but these bad actors were there as plants to try to stir the crowd up. But the crowd yes. really could not be stirred. They really were on their best behavior. And, and I think that's something to, to draw a distinction from. Had this been... Uh, you know, in some inner city somewhere, they'd have burnt the whole place down. Mm. They didn't. No, they didn't. They didn't attack all the police. They just stood there, kind of like, "You guys shouldn't be doing this. This isn't right." Even in that, they stood there and was like, "We're not going to do anything wrong because we don't want." you to say that we're trying to do something that we're not and they weren't well here's the mentality of a person for the majority of a person who um is considered a, a, a maga they don't necessarily want to break the law because they understand the constitution they understand that they have freedom and free will and they exercise it in the way that it's not going to you know go over and beyond and and this is why they were out there in, in the first place because they understood that somebody was not right and they just wanted to walk and support uh what has taken place against president trump yeah. and uh because uh these people were being planted they had to stir up it's not going to say it in this clip but it, it is recorded that um, the person who is in charge of the logging for visitors the week or the two the day the days before this um, January the sixth, they it was some strange activity on the ground, and um, Nancy Pelosi and a few other of those people who are in you know those high places. Uh, they did not do things like they normally would have. And when they were questioned, it was almost like, don't worry about it. We got everything under control type thing. So 
all of this was a setup from the very beginning. And you're going to hear that as you go along and listen to the findings of this, um, of the matter. And the, the video is, is pretty graphic. They were taking her back through the tunnel to detain her. Um, so it was near the doors, the entrance to the Capitol. She is in the midst of a circle of police and she's kind of getting jostled back and forth. I know at some point my shoes started to come off and I was falling backwards and my coat around my waist slipped down and then I, I don't know. And then I know at one point I felt like I was falling backwards, then being pushed between officers, like ping-ponged. They had my hands behind my back. I didn't have my shoes. I just had my socks when they took me in. There's no words to express the way that I feel right now and um, the atrocities that are have gone on. The fact that we're labeled as terrorists yeah. We're labeled as racist. I am a mom of four mixed daughters. I love all people. People's lies about us are causing myself and other January Sixers to endure unspeakable hell. And justice for us, it, it, it seems almost impossible. To think these girls could have lost their mom behind this. And all, all it was was she got jammed up, not on purpose, in the crowd. And she got pushed through that, that little area. And there yep. were so many police officers that was around her. What was she going to do? Why was she being hit over and over with a metal baton on her head? Constantly, constantly. And why was she being punched in the face by a man? A chief man or whoever of the of the um, police, the Capitol Police, that doesn't even make sense to me. Oh. But this is what they try to hide. We're repeated in near uniform. Storm the Capitol, breach police lines, insurrectionists, treason. Homogenous coverage came in real time dispatches from the Capitol, but at the same time. Rally-goers had trouble making calls or sending texts to the grounds all day. January 6th was a display of grievance on behalf of a large swath of American society. That such an aggressive slice of the political world pushed these terms relentlessly raises the first somewhat rhetorical question of why. Julie Kelly, political commentator and senior contributor to American Greatness, has been one of the leading journalists on this topic. It's all by design. And the idea that there are still people who believe, especially people on the right, who somehow still believe that the events of January 6th were organic, it was this uprising incited by Donald Trump's speech that day at the Ellipse, they're burying their head in the sand. So it's almost like a child. If no one is punished, no one pays any consequences for the biggest fraud perpetrated on the American people until January 6th, the Russia collusion hoax. Because they all got away with it, they were emboldened. And so that is what propelled them to then hijack the 2020 presidential election and then figure out a way after that how to bury and criminalize criticism of the 2020 election 
to finish off Donald Trump and the entire MAGA movement, which was the purpose of this inside job of January 6th. And so unfortunately, here we are, no one still has been held criminally responsible for Russiagate. So and now we see the same interests dovetailing who coalesced behind the events of January 6th. What I think they're trying to do is take those two groups um, and tie them to Donald Trump. The Oath Keepers who provided security for Roger Stone on January 5th, that'll kind of be, in my view, the way to get to Trump through the Oath Keepers, the proud. So anybody that was associated with President Trump in any kind of way was labeled a terrorist, made to look bad, and this story here I thought was very, very good about what she's about to tell about these Oath Keepers because yes. You know, when we were when we were doing the preliminary setup of this, it is good to note that not all of the cops that were doing that was there was bad or evil. It was only a few. And this particular group here went in and rescued some cops that were in a jam and they went to them because they knew that they were President Trump supporters. And they and they knew that they were going to get them out and get them to safety. So, uh, and, and I'm an advocate for getting the evil out, and I'm an advocate for addressing those policemen or people who were pretending to be policemen on that day and making sure that they get held accountable for the evil that they did against the American people. Their, their should, heads should roll from, from this. Right. Um, who you see on the screen right now is the Proud Boys, but what you're, who you're speaking of is the Oath Keepers. Right. So um, they are going to speak about the Proud Boys, but they're going to really give credit to the Oath Keepers because they did a heck of a job. Yep. Boys, obviously, when Trump was led into saying stand back and stand by Proud Boys in that uh, 2020 debate, they're going to describe that as the rallying call to get the Proud Boys to attack the Capitol, overthrow democracy. So I think that's where uh, they're headed, but that's right. This has always been about Trump, right? Well, it definitely is. It has nothing to do with January 6th, and this is why I think a lot of Americans are tuning it out, because they have not asked the hard questions. Why was the Capitol intentionally unsecure that day? Why did Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell, Sergeant at Arms, the people who are responsible for securing the Capitol, not Donald Trump, the Capitol Police Board, which uh, included those two men, Paul Irving and Michael Stanger, why did they repeatedly reject pleas from Steven Sund, the ex-Capitol Police Chief, for extra help that day? Even as the chaos unfolded on January 6th, they still denied um, deploying the National Guardsmen, which of course Trump had already offered. In December, I think I said it was a setup. Um, I think now I describe it as an inside job. Um, because it's the same interests who brought us Russiagate and everything since then, who conspired behind the scenes to execute the events of January 6th and now to uh, reap all of the political benefits that we've seen ever since. 18 months of nonstop fixation, um, the criminalization of political dissent, and an attempt to finally drive a stake in the heart of the MAGA movement. This stuff does not happen by accident in Washington, D.C. So that's basically how I describe uh, January 6th to, uh, to anyone who wants to know exactly what the truth is, and that is uh, the truth that I believe. If the media and if the FBI 
and the DOJ. In my documents, like the indictment or um, whatever my charges are, whatever, they make me out to be the aggressor. It's cr clearly not me, but the officers in that tunnel that are the aggressor. And if they can say, take a picture, for instance, a, a screenshot, a video, and say that, oh, look, she's trying to grab onto the shield. I was trying to hold myself up. And if they can say, oh, look, she's hitting the officer or trying to pull him down or whatever they said, and yet I'm telling him to stop spraying me in my face, it, it just stop. But they want to turn all that like I'm out to get them, like I'm out to, to beat the police. In all that beating, all of that, I, I did not punch an officer. I didn't fight back against the police who, who abused me. And if they can lie about me, I know for a fact that they can lie about everybody else that was there that day. Before the smoke of tear gas had cleared at the Capitol, the decision was made at the highest levels of government to hunt down everyone who was at the Capitol on January 6th. The FBI and the Department of Justice began rounding up suspects the very next day in the most far-flung investigation of its kind. Many suspects experienced the full SWAT treatment as federal tactical teams in armored vehicles prowled through suburban neighborhoods Front doors were blown off and flashbangs tossed inside. Family members were greeted with the laser sights of M4 carbines trained on their bodies. Even children were handcuffed as agents sorted out who was who. Some 850 people have been arrested for primarily misdemeanor charges, such as entering and remaining in a restricted building, and even parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. Some defendants were denied bail and still sit behind bars. To be charged even with trespassing meant being shunned by the community as traitors or insurrectionists. Some were fired for their jobs, based only on allegations. For one of the defendants, Matthew Perna, the pressure was too much. He pled guilty to a felony charge of obstructing Congress, and also misdemeanor charges. For these, he was facing over 20 years in prison, and he decided to end his own life. His aunt, Jerry Perna, said the charges that led to his death were unjustified. The way they're going after people is absolutely insane. And then on the other hand, on the other side of the coin, you have people committing crimes, blatantly robbing and looting stores in California and places, and they're not even being arrested. You can steal up to $900 and not even be arrested, but you can't walk into the Capitol, the people's house, with police saying, come on in. Nothing about this is normal. I don't put anything past them at this point. I don't. Um, they're out for blood, and they're getting it. They appear to be winning. I believe with Matt and with many other of the J6ers, I believe that this 
DOJ jumped the gun on these felony charges with many of them. And I believe they just randomly passed these charges out and then decided to look for the evidence. And in Matt's case and so many others, they simply didn't have the evidence. But it was a roller coaster of emotion from that point on, constant. And he was watching the other cases and how they were pleading, comparing his case to their case. Every time he had a hearing, it was delayed. He would gear himself up mentally, prepare himself, and they would delay it. Sometimes they would tell him when it would be, sometimes it was indefinitely delayed. Or it was um, discovery. They don't have enough, you know, they're still going through the discovery process. And that was mentally exhausting for him. It you press pause for a second? Immensely. This is this is so crazy. It's making me think about how <clears throat> some people who spoke out about what was going on to the, to them to their story while they were in jail, and they were saying it's a power trip. These people who are detained are being used as vessels to let everybody know the hatred for the Trump supporters are real. And this is what we're going to do to you in regards to the authority uh, figure that had the power. You heard this woman say every time he had a hearing, it was delayed. This man killed himself because of the power trip that the that these people against the, the, the MAGA uh, supporters it's just beyond this is just so evil he was innocent he was yeah. innocent with the rest of them but see this is what happens when government gets out of control you lose the honesty and the integrity of the of people who are elected to protect you and they forget that that's what their job is mm. they're supposed to be there to protect you to help you to help you follow the Constitution. None of these things that was done were constitutional. They, they weren't. They violated your free speech. They violated your peaceably assembled. They violated everything about what it is to be an American citizen. And these, the Capitol Police, all the police, armed forces, the senators, the state representatives swear an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. They need to be held accountable. Mm. If anything, it should have been a ticket mm -hmm. and go home. Not a lifetime of imprisonment. Some of these people have been in prison for three years. Yeah, they have. Yep. Solitary confinement. Yes. So they, they can't were, they, the most general population because they're quote unquote so dirty. Yes, this is a form of torture. This is a form of torture. And for people silence anybody else who thinks that they can stand up and do what they did. Yes. Yes. This is absolutely absurd. And you wonder why God is upset. You wonder why people are going through uh, certain things right now because this evilness is beyond, beyond comprehension.
It doesn't make any sense. The biggest problem that I say is that we could not imagine, none of us prior to it happening, could imagine the possibility of someone stealing the election. Yes. That no one could imagine the possibility of someone pretending to be Trump supporters and going in and saying, we're going to destroy the Capitol. Yes. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a thing that we, we would even conceive. And think about 9-11. No one conceived of anybody flying an airplane into a building. It, it just wasn't done. Oh, we're being hijacked, so let's follow the protocols for hijacking. And it wasn't a hijacking. They had already intended on destroying themselves and committing suicide and flying those planes into the buildings. These mm -hmm. people out there trying to incite the, the, the people who were good people into rioting already had an agenda, already yes. had a plan on what they wanted to have accomplished, and they succeeded. They succeeded because they had support from the press. They succeeded because they had support from the, the bad actors in the Democrat Party. And they succeeded because they had support from the bad actors in the Republican Party who are still showing their tails to die. Yeah. To Matt's suicide. It did. Um, it was a head game that they were playing with him. They're playing it with the rest of the J6ers. They're playing head games and, and, and it's working. Matt was a very kind-hearted person. He had a smile that would let He was very thoughtful. He loved talking to people. That was a gift of his. He could sit down with a stranger in a coffee shop and just start having a conversation with them. And he loved learning about their lives and where they were from and how they grew up, especially the elderly. With people, by the end of the conversation, he had made a new friend. And Matt didn't just make friends casually. He kept these people in his life. He had thousands of friends. Matt wrote beautiful paragraphs on every postcard talking about life and how he was enjoying his surroundings. And he sent probably thousands in his lifetime. There's no getting past this and there's nothing anybody could say that's gonna make it any better. <laughs> We miss him so much. And we will forever be heartbroken. Many of the defendants from January 6th are still awaiting trial, and many have been held in continuous solitary confinement, a form of incarceration deemed by the ACLU as a human rights abuse. Epic Times reporter and host of Facts Matter, Roman Balmakov, spoke with January 6th prisoner Jake Lang over the phone to learn about their conditions. I'm in solitary confinement over here. So in D.C. and Alexandria, I've been in solitary confinement. Um, right now I'm in administrative segregation, it's called, and uh, they won't let me go to general population because um, they want to torture me into uh, trying to take some kind of uh, decade-long plea deal. Uh, 108 months is the most recent plea deal I was offered, a uh, decade in prison for defending saving lives and defending the Constitution. It's That's cruel hard. and unusual punishment, and it's uh, specifically um, because they want to send a signal out to the rest of the Americans. If you ever dare to stand 
um, for your constitution and for your civil liberties that we will call you domestic terrorists, we'll drag you away from your home and your family and your community, we will put you in deplorable conditions, um, torture you into ridiculous plea deals, and meanwhile drag your name through the mud throughout all mainstream media and call you white supremacist and all these domestic terrorists and violent insurrectionists and all this ridiculous nonsense. Um, they're using us to uh, punish, uh, pre-punish us before trial and to send a signal out to the American people that um, any resistance uh, that you have to tyranny will be treated as, uh, as I'm being treated right now. And so um, that's why I believe that they're torturing us, um, January Sixers. Were the FBI raids warranted? Is it justified that many defendants have been held in solitary confinement while awaiting trial? Are the long prison sentences, mainly for non-violent crimes, reasonable? This would depend on what actually took place, and just how much of a threat the crowd actually was.